boys and girls hello welcome to episode nine of the i mean it podcast whether you listen on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, Spreaker, soundcloud watching on youtube watching on rumble checking us out on um soundcloud wherever uh thank you so much for watching thank you so much for listening uh as you know if you watch the last couple episodes listen to the last couple episodes we're going division by division and giving you over under totals for team wins in the nfl vegas style and by the numbers so this week we're going to go over the nfc south and we're going to start off with why not swami boy and the champs in tampa bay so tampa bay last year went 13 and 4 as you all already know that uh so we'll look at their trend line for the last you know five years or so in 2017, under 18, under over six or over in uh, 19. That was they jumped all the way to six and a half. Vegas did, and they went over that. In 2020, Brady showed up. Their over under was nine and a half. They went over that, and then last year their over under was 11 and a half, and they went over that. So they're on three year over trend now. Vegas expects more of the same. Uh, last year, because as of last year, because they put their total again at 11 and a half. Now, I think part of that is because they know if they went to 12, they're going to get fucking hammered on the under, right? People are going to be betting the under. But I will say this um, their schedule was very brutal early on. I could see them, you know, starting off one and three. That's a possibility. But if you look at the rest of their schedule, even if they do, start off one and three. If they basically take out every game that they're not favored by more than three points, if they lose all of those games, they'll still win 10 games. So there's not a single game all year out of 17 that they're going to be a dog in. So they're favored in 16 out of 17. They're a push. Um, can't remember that game off the top of my head, but they're a push. I think it's against the Rams. But last year uh, – you know, if you look at Vegas expecting the same thing, but then you look at game by game, Vegas is telling you a little bit of a different story. Um, last year, they were minus six and a half, six and a half at home versus Dallas. Um, and this year, they're only two and a half point favorites there. Or sorry, two and a half on the road. So if you get four points for home field, you flip. That's basically the exact same number. Um as Vegas is Tampa Bay is not quite three and Dallas is not quite three. Let's call it four. Let's call it the same. Uh, but last year they were only favored in 15 out of 17. They're favored 16 out of 17 this year, like I said. Um, and basically the way the numbers project out, 11 and a half wins is right on the projection. Um, and if they win, you know, close to where our numbers say they're going to, it's right at 12. So, basically, Vegas has got this number pretty much nailed. Uh, there's a couple of games. If you look at their division, 
you know, I wanted to say that I sell this team because the last two years I've given you best bets over on Tampa Bay. And I wanted to say, you know, this year I'm going to sell, but I had to look at the division, right? They went four and two last year. They lost to the Saints both times. Uh, they were two and a half favorites early in New Orleans in that season, but now they're four points favorite against New Orleans. So that's a point and a half. Vegas is saying that they're better plus New Orleans worse, you know, whatever combo you want to look at. They were nine and a half points when they hosted Atlanta early on in the season. This year, the first time they host them, they're 11 and a half points. So that's two points better than Atlanta. And then six and a half at Carolina in their first matchup last year. They're seven points this year, half point better there. So I overall don't think that they're a better football team. Vegas is telling you that they're not a better football team. However, you know, in their division, they've gotten any str- even stronger. So that four and two could turn into a five and one, could turn into a six and oh, right? But overall, their schedule is a lot tougher. Uh, there's no NFC East, you know, cupcakes. Uh, they do play Dallas, but you know what? Dallas gave them all they could handle last year. So it's a tough call for me. I, I can't give you a best bet on them going over this year as I had the last two years. I mean, I'm going to say 12 and five. Maybe slightly over, maybe eleven and six. Maybe they go slightly under. It's gonna be right in there. Uh, just remember this, though, boys and girls. In Tom Brady's, I think it's twenty years of actually starting the majority of the games for the season, he didn't play his rookie year, and then uh, his one year he got hurt. I think it was two thousand eight. He got hurt in the very first game. So other than those two seasons, in the twenty other years, he's only not won eleven games twice. Two times. So you can bet the under. I don't think you can feel great about it. But I also don't think just because their schedule is so much tougher this year, you can really feel great about the overs. Even if they pick up a couple of those games in the division again, they don't get to play, you know, the Eagles. They don't get to play the Giants. They don't get to play, you know, the Redskins, even though they lost the Redskins. So, uh, and they do have to play the Cowboys. So, and again, that game was a coin flip last year. Could have went either way. Again, overall, I think 12 and 5 is probably safe. 11 and 6 is definitely a possibility. At worst, at very worst, they're going to go 10 and 7. Um, so you could you could maybe, maybe bet the under. Maybe. I'm not going to suggest it, but I also won't suggest betting the over. First time since Tommy Boy has showed him Tampa that I won't tell you to do that. All right, moving on. New Orleans. So they were on a hell of an overrun from 2017 over, 18 over. 2019, their over-under was 10.5. They went over. 2020, 10.5 again. They went over. Last year, Vegas told you, yeah, we're downgrading without Drew Brees. Huge shaka. And uh, they went to nine uh, over-under wins, and they pushed on that. They pushed on it. So um, their over-under this year is 8.5. So Vegas is expecting a downgrade. Even from last year, uh, you know, I really thought that we would too. I actually thought this was going to be one of the teams that would end up being one of our bets in Vegas. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be. I turned out I was wrong about that. You know, our numbers say that, you know, I was wrong about that. Our numbers say they're going to win about 53% of their games. It's where they're falling in our historical um, power rankings as far as like where the number in our power rankings where they say they land. Historically, those teams win 53%. Right about there. That's nine wins. It's a slight over. Uh, they're favored in six out of 17 games. 
that's around nine wins. So, you know, Vegas is actually leaning towards the over. They're leaning towards the over in the individual games as they've set the numbers out uh, for the whole year. Uh, I think that's good enough for me. I think just the fact that I had a total misconception of this team uh, from what the numbers are telling us, that always generally leads me to believe that the public's going to have a misconception of this team too. The, the public's probably not going to be expecting a lot from the Saints. They're probably going to be a good play early on in the season, cover some shorter numbers that they should be probably favored a little bit more in. And I think Vegas thinks the same thing. So Vegas is pretty much telling you they're going to win nine games. Our numbers are going to tell you they're winning nine games. I'm going to go with our numbers, and I'm going to go with Vegas. I'm going to go against, you know, what my personal opinion was, um, which is that's why we keep the books the way that we do. We, you know, we try to take our personal opinions out of things and look at things very analytically because if you do that, you're going to be right more than you're going to be wrong. And that is the name of the fucking game, boys and girls. And that is how you make money. So I'll say nine and eight, uh, different team, different coach. We'll say about the same result. All right, moving on. Carolina. Oh, those Panthers. They were six and 11 last year. Uh, their trend line looks like this. In 2017, they went over. And 2018, their over-under was eight. They went under it. 2019, their over-under was eight. They went under it. In 2020, Vegas dropped it all the way to five and a half. You guessed it. They still went under it. Last year, with the addition of Sam Darnold for some reason, uh, Vegas bumped it up to seven and a half. We bet the under. That was one of our easiest wins. Um, so they're on a four-year straight under stretch. And then if you look at their over under this year, six and a half. So Vegas is expecting a big drop off, uh, even from last year, from the over under perspective. Now, they did win six games last year. And that's how Vegas kind of gets you. They hedge those. And I was like, ah, they could be a little bit better. Right? They could be a little bit better. But you got to remember when you're looking at these year long markets, it's their expectations going in versus their expectations going in. Don't let the results fool you at the end of the year on what these over-under numbers are when they set them back out because Vegas doesn't do it like that. They set market expectation versus market expectation. As we get into more divisions, you'll start to see teams that actually made big jumps of improvement that fooled Vegas, right, and then fooled us that you'll say, okay, they've made the correction, the market correction, like they're going to bump their numbers up, not just because they won more games, but just because they're actually a lot better than they thought they were and they get their asses kicked if they drop it back down again so um again vegas is not a big fan of this team i'm not a big fan of this team uh their coach so i gotta admit i was wrong about their coach i thought the guy i mean he was at uh, i think it was temple did a really great job up there at a shit school um for football and then went to baylor and did a great job there turning that program back around making them relevant again i thought man this guy's you know He's on his way, and we'll see if a college coach can make it. He gets to Carolina, and he's not been good. He's not been good. The offense has not been good. Uh, nothing he does or did well translates. And the guy looks like a fucking bum. Like, if you saw the fucking picture of him at the coaches' meeting or whatever, the coaches' symposium, whatever the fuck they call it, he had unironed khakis and an ill-fitting fucking shirt and coaches generally aren't in the best shape or whatever, and that's fine. But you don't have to look like a goddamn sloppy sandwich. And I'm a big, big believer and proponent of if you're going to be the CEO of a company, which 
if you're the head coach of an NFL team, you are the de facto CEO of your company to the face of the public, right? Not a lot of teams like Dallas where the owner gets out there and talks to the media every fucking, you know, week um, or even the GM or whoever. It's, it's the head coach. He is the CEO. He is the face of your franchise. He is what presents you to the public. And if you say dumbass things at press conferences, like whoop the hell, like remember uh, where was that coach for fucking Cleveland, uh, Freddie Kitchens, and uh, you talk get up there and talk about Joan and payroll, and you know Francisco Francisco and the boys cooking up a fabulous Mexican feast every Christmas time, and you're open press conference and that kind of shit. Like immediately, immediately you are doomed for failure. And you know this guy doesn't speak you know stupidly, but he dresses terribly. And it's all a part of it. And I know you might think thinking, oh, that's that's fucking ridiculous. Like, how could you say that? How could you make a judgment on something like that? Look, man, it is what it is. Andy Reid is a humongous fat ass. A humongous. Like, he is bigger than this entire fucking studio. Like, he, he wouldn't even fit in here. He's so fucking fat. But he wears a big Hawaiian shirt. It's always ironed. And his khaki shorts are always ironed. He doesn't look sloppy. He's just gigantically fat you can be fat and successful but you can't look like a sloppy sandwich and be successful i'm sorry you just fucking can't not in that role offensive coordinator sure defensive coordinator sure i mean look at fucking matt patricia in detroit stupid hat turn around backwards pencil in his fucking ear yeah d- defensive coordinator great he tried that shit in detroit first game looked away yeah that doesn't work that does not work when you are the fucking man you got to fucking dress the part you got to be the part. You just have to be the part, and he wasn't. And this guy isn't either. Um, yeah, Carolina's terrible. I got him going 5-12. and 12. They're going to be real bad. They're going to be a real bad football team. He's going to get fired, and Sam Darnold's career is effectively over uh, after this season. Now, he'll get you know, a chance to be a backup somewhere, some other bullshit, some retread shit, but it's over. It's over for both of them. It's over. All right, we're going to move on after that ray of sunshine <laughs> to Atlanta. All right. Uh, Atlanta went seven and 11 last year. How did they ever win seven? I don't know, but their trend line is as follows 2017. They went over 2018 over under was nine and a half under Vegas said, all right, 2018, eight and a half under then 2020, they bumped it up, right? Got some, uh, rookies in there. Got some free agent buzz going on. Went up to nine and a half. Nah, still under. All the way back down to seven and a half last year, and they still went fucking under. That was another team that we bet, and we hit it. This year, their over under is five. Five. So Vegas is downgrading the full two and a half games from what they were last year. Now, they will only be favored in two games all season, and that's if things go well for them. They'll be favored in those two games. If not, they probably won't be favored in any. Um, and if you look at the quarterback situation, so I know everybody's saying, oh, Matt Ryan shot, and look, I'm one of those guys, and I'll get into it in a second. But now you've got Marcus Mariota as your quarterback. Now, the last three years, Mariota was a starter, not any bullshit that happened in Vegas, a, a, the true starter. His QBR went from a 58.6, which is above average, to a 53.2, which is right about league average, to a 35.5. And then he was benched for Ryan Tannehill, Never to be heard from fucking again. Now, 
Go to Matt Ryan. Now, I'm not a big Matt Ryan fan. I'll, I'll confess to that up front. Uh, and I do think he's shot. However, if you look at his last three years with this team, right, in this city, with this franchise, you know, he went from a 59.6, which is above average and better than Mariota's best year, to a 59.8, which is above average and better than Mariota's best year, to last year, 46.1, which is well below average, but is still better than Mariota's last year as a starter. By 40, was it 46.1 to 35.5? So by quite a fucking bit. So you had, you know, and again, think what you want to about Matt Ryan. There's no doubt he is a borderline Hall of Famer. Some people will die on the hill that he's a Hall of Famer. Some people like me and say, nah, not really. But either way, both sides have an argument that makes him borderline. He's a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback. In no universe, I can't say that. There's a million different universes. How can I say that? In no universe that I know of. How let's let's say <laughs> in no universe that I know of is Marcus Mariota ever, ever even gonna be mentioned in the same breath as anything with a Hall of Fame. Like maybe if he visits there one day, maybe if he visits there one day, that like, hey, I saw Mar- Marcus Mariota at the Hall of Fame. That'll be about it. That'll be about the only fucking time you. <laughs> My point is, um, Mariota's a spare. He's always been a spare, and he's always going to be a spare. So you went from, again, a declining borderline Hall of Famer to a literal spare quarterback. And all they had to do is win less or two less games, which Matt Ryan numerically is worth more than a smidge more than two wins over Mariota so and you can say well Matt Ryan was declining Mariota's still young fine but who's Mariota playing with the same fucking people that Matt Ryan was playing with that's all the Matt Ryan fans oh look at the team around him look what he had look what yeah who the fuck do you think Mariota's playing with those same bunch of fucking spares right so Zero chance they're going to be better. Uh, this is, um, we'll get to in a second, but this is such a no-brainer for me, such a no-brainer of how bad this football team is going to be because they were already bad. And even though, like I said, Matt Ryan was declining, his numbers proved that he was and he is, he's still in another stratosphere compared to Marcus Mariota. So if you're hoping for some miracle comeback from Marcus Mariota, you can bet that way if you want to. I don't like to bet on miracles. I like to bet on what the data tells me. So, summarize. Uh, I've got Tampa Bay going 12 and a half, or 12 and 5, sorry. Slightly over. Definitely not going to be a best bet like it was the last two years. Uh, I could see them winning 10. I could see them winning 12. I think that I think 12 is about their cap. Um, unless unless Brady just does this thing or whatever, but man, they're like their schedule is really, really tough. Uh New Orleans, I got nine and eight. Slight over there. I feel feel decent about that. I feel decent. They could win eight. They could win nine. They could win seven, right? But I feel decent about the nine and eight. Uh, Carolina, five and 12, all over the under there, six and a half. Uh, like I said, the coach is fired, and Sam Darnold, this is it for him. So, yeah. And then Atlanta, I've got them going three and 14. So that's going to be my best bet of this podcast. The Atlanta Falcons, under five wins. Um, 
And quite frankly, Atlanta, that's what you get for drafting a goddamn tight end in the top 10 uh, in the first round. I think you drafted like number four overall. You drafted literally a person that makes no difference on the football field. And I mean, he, he had a good rookie year and he's going he's gonna to be a really good player. Who gives a shit? He doesn't equal wins. And you drafted that dude for no apparent reason at all, except you're like, ah, fuck it, let's just take a tight end. <laughs> so Tampa Bay 12 and 5, New Orleans 9 and 8, Carolina 5 and 12, Atlanta 3 and 14. Best bet, Atlanta under the five. That's money all day, baby. That's money all day. If you can find some alternate lines on there, they'll give you under four and a half and give you plus money, really good plus money. I'd feel good about doing that. I really would. Uh, I would not, I'd probably go half a unit under the five and another half a unit on the plus money side and just do the money dance. Just do the fucking money dance, baby. That's what I'm telling you. All right, boys and girls, that was the uh, NFC South. Uh, again, sorry, Atlanta fans. I know you've suffered for a long time, but you know what? You had some really great years, and Matt Ryan is a really good quarterback. He's really he's borderline Hall of Famer. I will give you that. He was borderline Hall of Famer. You know, if he didn't have the biggest collapse in the history of, you know, the fucking Super Bowl, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I'd say give him one ring, he's in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that. Without it, oh man, it's a tough road. That is a tough road for him to get in at this point. But anyway, uh, that's it. I hope you guys liked it. Again, uh, hope you tune in the show any way that you can. Please tune into the Revolution Network. We got a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, Longhorns coming at you with football and freedom. I got the I Mean It show, of course, of course, the football glory hole. Once football season comes around, we'll be in full effect. And our newest podcast that is gaining a lot of steam, The Bastards of Babylon. Look out for that one. Uh, if you haven't tuned into that, you are missing out. I promise you that. Anyway, um, that's it for this week. And until next week, I'll be thinking about you.